Your life's not over. It's time to reach up like never before. Reach for all that God has for you. Stretch forward your faith. You can do the impossible if you'll dare to believe God. Today is your day for spiritual breakthrough, revelation, reformation, reclamation. If God be for you, who can stand against you? A thousand may fall at your left and 10,000 at your right, but it will not come nigh your dwelling. It's time, body of Christ, to stand firm on the word of God and believe the impossible. Today is your day for salvation. Tomorrow's over. Your past is behind you, but your future is shining bright ahead of you. Lift up your eyes. saying today is your day and if you'll dare to believe me I'm going to astound you I'm going to make all your critics tongues fall out of their mouth their eyes are not going to believe what they're about to behold because I am taking you from the ash heap from the dung hills of this life and I am setting you among princes I'm raising you up to reach a generation for me forget yesterday. you got to forget about your past. It's over. Don't let the enemy remind you of your yesterday anytime. God's not speaking to you about your yesterday. He's speaking to you about your tomorrow. Anything is possible. Yeah. So, see, I'm, I'm talking to you today on this line. The war the winners and the whiners. The war, the winners, and the whiners. In the New Testament, it often speaks of a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Sometimes we see that it gets complicated. We see because the, the, the word spirit there, the war between the flesh and the spirit doesn't mean a war between your spirit and your flesh. It means a war between the Spirit of God and your flesh. Yeah. See, the Spirit of God has to lead you, has to guide you. And how the Spirit of God leads you and guides you is not that you sit around in your house with all your blinds drawn and you pray in tongues un until you can't even remember how to speak in English anymore. That's not how it works. The Spirit leads you because you've made Him Lord and Savior, and then you get in the Word every day and you say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for that. And I'm not making light of praying in the Spirit. You know that. But I'm telling you that we have to have the Word of God renewing our mind so that we're not fulfilling the sinful desires of the flesh. Right. So the Spirit wants to go this way, but the flesh, our flesh, wants to go this way. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me good? There are none good except him. And see, we, we've been taught, and getting back to the scientific thing, we've been taught to think of people as good. That people are mostly good, but that people uh, do bad things because they're a product of their environment. So the reason somebody shoots up a school is because, it, well, they was playing video games where they were shooting people. 
or, or the reason some people are so stupid to believe the reason somebody shot up a school or whatever is because they had access to a type of rifle that looks like an assault rifle. But I got news for you. I got assault rifles everywhere. None of them get up in the middle of the night and shoot anyone. I sleep one right beside my bed. It never comes over to me in the middle of the night, taps me on the head with its cold steel and says, Jordan, you should get up and shoot two people. <laughs> Having the gun near me doesn't do anything to make me evil. People will say things like, well, it's because of poverty. Poverty makes people do wrong things. But they never look at the fact that people without Christ are depraved. That humanity has fallen. There was a time that human beings were good. That was in the Garden of Eden. But the moment that we made a deal with the devil, the moment that we made a deal with the devil to say, hey, uh, I, I, I'm going to believe you and what you say, and I'm going to put my selfish wants and desires above what God says, at that moment, humanity fell, and from that moment forward, human beings are not good. They are inherently evil. Yeah, that's why your children that are so beautiful and innocent have to come to a place where they have to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior because they're born into sin. Now, when they're born, they don't have sin in them because they're innocent. But in their blood is a nature to sin. And before long, they'll get to an age that you'll figure out that you didn't have to teach them to lie. You, you didn't have to teach them to steal. They, they, were, they were trying to sneak that in on you. That's why this mess that's going around today, and I know it steps on people's toes, but you're not called to be your children's friend. You're called to be their parent, their protector. Yeah, their provider, their shepherd. The Bible says that as arrows are in the quiver of a mighty warrior, so are children in the hand of a father. You're supposed to aim those children and tell them who they are and tell them what they're going to be and tell them what their future is. And, and you do that by telling them what it's not going to be. Yeah, you, you ain't going to make it to the MLB. Love you. Have fun doing that. But all those friends and people you're hanging out with in school or whatever, all those kids, many of them going to be dead. Most of them you're never going to see again. Your life is not going to be anything like that. God has his hand on you, and there's something specific for you to do, and you could be successful doing that. And you got to put that in your children early on. I tell my daughter every day, don't you ever bow down to peer pressure. You don't have to be like anyone else at school. I don't care if it, does, if it makes your teacher mad, if it makes the principal mad, if it makes every student around you not like you. You're not there for them to like you. You're there as a child of God, and you're a leader. She goes to a Christian school. Aren't they Christian? No, they ain't Christian. No, their family ain't even Christian. I don't care that they got a fish bumper sticker and a cross hanging off their mirror. That don't make you a Christian. You go down, park in the garage. That don't make you a Chevrolet. It doesn't. Sorry. What makes you a Christian is, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And are you walking according to this word? That's the only thing. It doesn't matter what church you go to. doesn't matter what person you follow on Facebook. None of that matters. What matters is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And do you have a reverence for his word? Is he the Lord of your life? 
Yeah. So there are winners. There is a war. And there are some whiners. And we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, that Jesus, he, had, he tried to get his disciples to go forward and pray with him. Remember that? About three different times. He said, why don't you come on and pray with me? And what happened? They went a little bit. They fell asleep. And he came back to them. Can't you, can't, you, can't you just stay with me even for an hour? Come on, let's go a little further and pray. Then, then what? Then they see the transfiguration. Then he goes on a little bit further, and he prays, and finally they're asleep, right? And he's sweating great drops of blood, but he's ministered to, and he says what? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What was Christ doing? He was winning the war against the flesh. Notice that... Satan comes to Christ three times to tempt him in the area of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, come on now, and the pride of life. Three areas that had to deal with the soul of Christ. Three areas in which Christ could have stumbled in those moments, but he got, the Bible says, King James, he got or won the victory. And because he didn't fall to temptation in any of those areas, but he continued to do what the will of the Father was. Right? Think about this. Christ didn't die on the cross because he loved you. Christ died on the cross because he loved the Father. I'm talking about the man Christ. I'm talking about the part of him that was like me and you. See, people, str people struggle with Christ. They've been struggling with him for you. They're still struggling with him. People are okay with Jesus as long as it's bless the prophet. But when you say, no, he's the son of the living God, he is God, then all of a sudden people have a problem with that because they don't understand that he was Christ the man, that the part of him that was born from Mary was a man. It was in a skin suit. But the part of him that was like God was God. And when he was there, he, he didn't go through the beating through the scourging, through having his hair ripped out simply because he loved you. No, no. I'm talking about the man. He did it because he loved God. The man Christ loved God that was in him more than he loved himself. And if it took that, if it took a love for God to go through and endure the things he had to do, then it must be a love for God that drives us to move beyond self to move beyond flesh and to walk in accordance with the Spirit. And it's when we get arm in arm with the Spirit. Boy, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable in the natural when you allow God to lead you by the Spirit. It's not comfortable. No, there's nothing comfortable about that. But when you allow God to lead you, and you begin to walk in the Spirit, then all of a sudden, the miraculous starts happening in your life. All of a sudden, you look around, and there's fruit, and there's people being blessed, and things that were impossible before are now possible, and things that you would have worked for for 20 years to try to get a house paid off, and that type of car, and your children in that school. All of a sudden, the hand of the Lord comes on you, and none of that means anything to you. You're marching to the beat of a different drum, but God begins to add everything to you. See, we've got a messed up idea of what it means to serve the Lord. A lot of people are serving the Lord because they think he's a platinum AMX and they can just get whatever they want from the Lord because I'm serving him no it don't work like that unless you lose your life you're not going to find it you've got to lay your life down pick up the cross begin to follow Christ and then the blessing of the Lord comes on you ooh hallelujah good preaching pastor thank you ooh hallelujah I'm fixing to give him my own offering glory I'm fixing to take the preacher out to eat 
I don't know about you, but back in the day, it ain't going to be Chinese. Hopefully, it's Hawaiian. You know what I mean? I need something else. <laughs> Lord, I, I, need, I need something else, man. But back in the day, when the pastor used to preach really well, people come up to him after church and try to take him out. Remember that? Now when the pastor's preaching good, people start leaving. That's why Christ said, will I find any faith? But see, you've got to understand that you can't microwave yourself into heaven. We've got to be honest with ourselves. And this is an honest church. This is a church. We're not playing any games. God forbid that there ever be a day in the history of this church that there's someone here that thinks that they can manage this thing and just have a bunch of games and a bunch of programs and a bunch of things happen where people can come in and fake each other out and put on a smile when inwardly they're rotten. That's not the kind of church we are. You're here because God has drawn you here by his spirit. You're here because the hand of the Lord is on your life to make an eternal difference in this life here and now. Yeah, you're here today because the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord and God has sent you into this house and he's doing something in your life that's touching people around you whether you see it or not. Remember, I was reading through John Wesley's memoirs through his, you know, basically his diaries. And he said, uh, I was called to go to a church, have revival. They'd heard about me and I said, I got, I got there. This is back in the 1700s. He said, I got there and they were 380 strong. We had revival for three weeks and when I left, they were 80 strong. See, because revival ain't what you think revival is. Revival is when the Spirit of God begins to touch the heart of the people and revive that which was once alive. And when people get revived, all of a sudden, then awakening begins to happen out in the streets. Well, glory. Hallelujah. Yeah. So see, Jesus warned when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26 and 41, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. And a lot of times we spend our life, even, I see people that call themselves Christians, they're dominated by the temporal. They're dominated by what they feel. They're dominated by their senses. They're dominated by their emotions. That is not the will of God for you as a born-again believer. That's where you get off. That's where you get into bondage. You get into bondage when you allow emotions to, you know, well, they said something and it wounded me. Well, they did something and I didn't feel, didn't feel good. And you dwell on that. Then before long, you're trying to self-soothe with something else that leads to a bondage. Instead of allowing Christ to lead you by the Spirit, and it doesn't matter who said, what said, when said, doesn't matter what they do, Christ in me is greater than they that be against me, and he's leading me and guiding me beside still waters, and the latter shall be greater than the rest. Glory to God. See, if you're here today and if you're listening to my voice, you're here because you've put your full faith and your full trust in the one who can never let you down. And you're believing and you're hoping for something that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no man can give you. It's a promotion that comes only from heaven. And I'm here to tell you this is the year to receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Well, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, there's a battle that rages on. But the battle 
is not between the cosmic forces of Satan and the cosmic forces of Christ. That's not the battle. That was the battle under the old covenant. That's why under the old covenant, you see that the prince of Persia, which was a principality, could withstand the angel which was bringing an answer to Daniel when he was praying and fasting for 21 days. There was a principality of Persia. It was a demonic spirit, a fallen angel, that was the puppet master over that ancient empire, and he was buffeting, keeping out the angel from bringing the end. See, you need to understand, go back to Jacob's will. When you pray, the prayers go up to heaven, and an angel brings the answer. Right. Oh, Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But see, Daniel didn't have the Holy Ghost. Daniel didn't have the blood of Jesus. Daniel's prayers could be heard by any demonic spirit. But when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, the devil don't know what's going on. When your life is hidden under the blood, the enemy doesn't even know where you're at. He doesn't even know your address. Oh, you ought to shout about that. That The devil doesn't even know your address. He doesn't even know where your children are. I felt it in my spirit. I don't know who needs to hear it, but childhood cancer is not going to affect you and your family. Whoever is dealing with that, being a, you know, heard something about that, or fear has entered your mind, your heart, your family. I, the Lord spoke to me when I came in here today that childhood cancer, it shall not affect your family. Hallelujah. The enemy doesn't even know where you are. He doesn't even know where you are. The war is not between the cosmic forces of Satan and the cosmic forces of Christ. No, the devil is defeated. Oh, he's going to show out. He's going to try his best to do something every now and then. He's still going to stand in front of you. You're still going to have to cast the devil out. Sometimes he's messing in your family. You got to, uh-uh, not here. I'm not saying that there is never a demon, that there's never a devil. That there's. I'm telling you, you're going to have to deal with him from time to time. In fact, just start the day out dealing with him. Not today, devil. I got a shirt. John made me. I love it. Not today, devil. I just get up and wear it. You know what I mean? Not today, devil. Hallelujah. Don't have time for you today. But the real war is the war between are you going to yield to the Spirit or are you going to walk in what you want and what you desire? And how you think it should be. And what you can perceive. See, the soulish realm is based on your perception. Perception is reality. Yeah. Because if I were to show a hundred people the same problem, we'd get a variety of different solutions. Because everyone perceives the problem differently. Everyone doesn't see it like you see it. And your perception of things in the natural is based on your fallen nature, the soulish part of you. That's why you have to have the mind of Christ so that you can see what's going on and you can respond rather than react. See, when something happens and you start reacting, you're reacting according to the flesh. And don't let, you know, uh, Newton had it, man. For every action, there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. So when you react to something that's happened, don't be surprised if it causes ripples in your family and friends and other people start reacting and then before long you've got a steaming pile of mess and everybody's mad. 
But when you're walking at, at, at with the mind of Christ and in the Spirit, what will happen in those situations, it, it doesn't mean that you're a pacifist. It means that you have the mind of Christ and you'll begin to act according to what you see according to the Spirit because you have the mind of Christ and He's leading you and guiding you. And those actions according to the Spirit will take care of the issue. Amen. Hmm. Hope this is helping you. Yeah, this reminds me of a story I heard. Because... <coughs> Uh, once upon a time, my, I was planning to go to, to, uh, to, to Duke University to, to study law. In fact, I scored so high on, on my SAT scores, they gave me a full-ride scholarship in 10th grade. They, they sent a bunch of people down, and uh, there was two other people from the state of Arkansas. And they said, we're going to give you a full ride. Why don't you come spend two weeks this summer? At Duke University, you can check it out, and the scholarship will be there waiting on you. As long as your grades stay up, we'll give you a full ride. And, uh, well, we were called to the ministry, so instead of doing that, we went to Oklahoma to pastor a church of about four. Amen. <laughs> and God moved mightily, and that church had hundreds and hundreds of people in it. Nice brand new building when we left. Amen. Amen. They were driving from Kansas, Texas. They were coming from everywhere. I thank God for that. We'd probably still be there, but the people got mad and told my dad, you know, all these people are messing up our carpet and our bathrooms. We really want to go back to just us four no more. But honestly said that. And my dad said, well, God bless you. You know, I think we're going to be leaving. And uh, so mom already packed up everything. Spirit of God was moving. And we moved up here to Ohio. Well, glory. But it reminds me of a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but... Uh, there were three young college students at Duke University and one of them was being initiated into a fraternity. The other two were, you know, there to make sure that uh, the person met the conditions to join. They went through the hazing and whatever and were able to come in. So two of the students, they made the freshman dress up in a blue devil outfit. He had to paint his face. If you know what the blue devils are, that's the mascot. He had, you know, the outfit, the face painted, hands painted, everything the horns on. They took him out to the countryside outside of Durham, close to where the school is, and they put him out there at sunset, and they told him that he had to get back to campus before dawn. And uh, he had to do it all on foot, couldn't get a ride from anyone. And so the freshman started walking. He was from out of town, didn't know anything, didn't know the area. And uh, he, after a while, he realized he was really lost. And he walked around for two or three hours, and he was getting pretty desperate. And finally, he heard some music. And he started making his way through the woods and he figured out the music was coming from an old church and he realized that there was some sort of revival meeting. And so he decided to go in and ask for directions. And when he walked in the front door, it was one of those old churches where you open the door and you're immediately in the sanctuary. And the preacher saw him and yelled, Oh no, it's the devil. And the members turned and, and, and saw him and just began to run out. They just began to run out of there screaming. Some of them didn't even look. They just scared to death, thought it was actually the devil. And one lady who was too slow to run decided to jump out of the window and she got stuck halfway in and halfway out. So the student in the blue devil outfit, he walked around, went outside the building to the window where the lady's head was sticking out. And as he neared, she blurted out, please, please, Mr. Devil, don't hurt me. Honestly, even though I'm in church, I've been on your side most of the time. And, uh, you know, actually, I'm not sure that that story ever happened, but it's a good story to let us know. That there are people that are in the church 
that are fulfilling the desires of the flesh because they're not being led by the Spirit. And those are the people that I call the whiners because they're always blaming on the devil what is really a result of them not being yielded to the Spirit. Well, I would have lived for the Lord. Well, my, my, you know, my kids are out there. They're, they're living like buffoons, but it's the devil. No, it's, it's not the devil. They're serving the devil. But actually what it is, is you weren't listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and, and instructing them. And now if you would just spend some time in prayer and fasting and ask the Holy Spirit what to do and what to pray, the devil is a defeated devil. And you could just pray for a little bit and declare the word over them. And before long, you'd see things begin to line up. But guess what? In order to do that, you'd have to be willing not to be the most popular for a while. That you might not get invited to Thanksgiving that year. But that's okay. You can just drive by and pray in the Holy Ghost. Say, hey, this is just a temporary thing. My family is going to be saved in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Yeah, the whiners. In fact, we, we have a whole society of victims where people would rather whine about problems and they talk about how they would if they weren't born into that, or if that wasn't facing them, or if they didn't have this, or if they didn't have that. But that is not found in the kingdom of God. The church is a militant force. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. You ought to thank God that he's put some staying power inside of you. You ought to thank God that if you're here today in this place, that you've been engrafted with the power of God, that you can endure the problems and the issues that may come your way. And you're not turning back no matter what happens. You're not going back. Even though the enemy may, may be arrayed against you, you know it's just a bluff because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if all the forces of hell came against you, the Holy Ghost inside of you is greater. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm not turning back. I'm not even going to back up. I'm going to move forward in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Yeah, you're going to have issues. Yeah, problems are going to come your way. Yes, the enemy is going to do everything he can to get you into the realm of the flesh. That's what, that's what the war is. It's to get you offended. It's to get your feelings hurt. It's to get you to look at, oh my, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to have enough favor. I'm not going to have enough, th oh, it's not going to work out. I don't see how this is ever going to come together. And you begin to look and perceive based on your own natural desires rather than look through the word and say, oh no, he's the God of the impossible. No, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No, no, no. He, he, he's the one that, that makes a way through the middle of the ocean. No, no. He's the one that speaks and Lazarus comes back to life. Oh, hallelujah. He's the one that blessed and broke it and fed 5,000 with just a few pieces of fish and a couple biscuits. Hallelujah. See, Christ won the victory on Calvary at the empty tomb. But for the Christian that's still here on the earth, we have to walk in the victory that he offers. We must walk in the spirit. The path of victory is the path of the spirit. And, and I think sometimes uh, Pentecostal people, that you know, they, it's too ethereal. It's too, it's too far out. And other folks, they look at it like, my God, if that's walking in the spirit, it's, they're, they're nuts. None of y'all ever seen any old Pentecostal people like that. They're like, man, that's walking in the spirit. I don't know if that's walking in the spirit. 
they, they won't even meet at Dairy Queen anymore because it's too worldly. I'm, I've been around all kinds of people. I mean, I don't, I don't do Starbucks unless you want to meet me there. Then I'll meet you there. I don't ever turn down a meeting with people. But I don't go by. I don't stand for that kind of stuff. But it's not walking in the spirit. It's just I don't want to give my dollars to those people. I don't like them. And Hardy's has good coffee anyway. Amen. Try it. You'll see. You'll be a believer. Trust me. Hardy's has good coffee. Hardy's has good coffee. Okay. I'll leave it there. Just leave. If you're talking about just coffee, just black coffee, if you don't have a half a frappa lappa chapa with extra caramel sprinkles and shaking and not stirring or whatever, however that goes, you know. Maybe I'm in something else now. Lord, help me. Yeah, see, it's an unseen battle. And it's the war between the spirit, that is the spirit of God, and the flesh. That war takes place where? It takes place in the mind. It takes place in the mind. Every day the war is in the mind. That's why texts are so volatile. Because when you get a text from somebody, you interpret that text based on your emotional state, not theirs. If you're all tore up and somebody sends you a text, you'd be like, I can't believe they sent that. Did you read this? And then after you're mad and you done blasted them back, you come back like, you know, six hours later, and you're like, wait a second. That really wasn't bad. It was <laughs> Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. Nobody else has ever done that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why if something's going on with me and you text me, I might not text you back right away because I don't know exactly what you mean because I'm not in the right spot. I might just call you. Say, hey, what's up, man? Because I know you didn't mean anything by it, but I might be dealing with something else. Brother done painted the wrong paint on the wrong room. You know what I mean? I'm mad. Hey. $225 for five gallons of paint. That's pretty expensive. Better put it on the right wall. Amen. Nobody's done that, but it could happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, so see, Christ won the victory, but we have to walk according to the Spirit. We have to defeat the flesh every single day. We have to daily take up the cross and follow Him. And what is amazing is if you begin to walk according to the Spirit of God and not the flesh, what will happen is you'll notice that you'll have a greater and greater hunger for the Word of God. You'll have a greater and greater love for the things of God. You'll be filled with an air of expectation concerning the promises of God. Yeah, you, you should write some of these down because they're real. You'll be filled with an air of expectation concerning the promises of God, what He's spoken to you. Like, you'll, you'll know that it's just around the corner for you. You won't have helplessness. You won't be living in hopelessness. But you'll be like, oh, I know that something good is about to happen for me. Yeah. See, the Christian life is not meant for those looking for the easy road. Jesus said, follow me when he was on his way to the cross. Yeah. But if we follow him, it's the most rewarding thing. That's why the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. Whew. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. 
Ha, thank you, Jesus. See, if I was 100% today, I, this is where I'd go off into my usual, you know, Pentecostal prophetic thing here. But I thank God. I'll try to put it... I, I'll try to put it in words, but I'll never be able to do it justice. But I thank God that I've seen my parents through the years stand when things have come against them that could have knocked them off course. I'm talking about terrible things. I'm talking about trials. I'm talking about attacks. I'm talking about betrayals. I'm talking about people turning on them. I'm talking about things happening that, would, I mean, it was threatening to rip the family apart, threatening to rip everything down. And I've seen them stand. You know why? Because they got the whole armor of God. You know, how you, you know how you know that you have the whole armor of God? It doesn't mean that you didn't feel what was... You ever seen anyone that was shot with a vest on? It still broke a few ribs. They still got a big spot there. It was the same way back in the day when they had on the armor, the chain mail, and the, when, they, when they got stabbed with the sword, it just didn't come all the way through. But it's still some of it, you know. They was bleeding a little bit. I mean, I don't care how good your helmet is. If somebody hits you across the head with a four-foot steel sword, you're going to know something has happened to you. If you get shot with an arrow, even though you got on the breastplate of righteousness, even though your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, when that spear comes and hits that thing, it's going to smash some things. So the way you know you have on the armor of God is after the battle. Whenever you get to surveying yourself, you'll notice the wounds are there, but they're not mortal. They hit you, but it's not life-threatening. In other words, I'm injured here just a little bit. I'm just hurt a little bit, but don't worry. I'll live to fight another day because I had on the armor of God. Having on the armor of God doesn't mean that nothing ever touches you. It means that nothing ever kills you and takes you out because you've got on armor to stand in the day and you ain't going out. Hallelujah. Yeah, you're standing. You just keep on standing. Well, I'm preaching good today. This, this is good stuff. See, you, you, you've got to keep on going. You've got to be led by the Spirit, not by the flesh, because the flesh is corrupt. The Bible says if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Well, we're seeing that in our world today, aren't we? I'm tell, listen to me. Hear me. Because there's so many things about to happen. Just, just, there's so many things going to happen in this nation and there's so many things going to happen in the nations of the world. You're going to see things that are so strange to you. You're going to see things that you thought would never happen here in America are going to happen. Many of them, some of them even this year. Get ready. Get ready for it. This is not going to be just another ordinary year. Get ready for it. You're going to see crazy, crazy, crazy things happen this year. But guess what? As all those things are happening in the natural, what is also happening is in the spiritual. The people of God are going from faith to faith. And they're going from strength to strength. Oh, hallelujah. See, the reason that the Lord allows you to go through the things he allowed you to go through is so that you might have a testimony of faith that is rooted and grounded in something that is life-giving to you. Because once you've seen Christ the healer, now all of a sudden, sickness doesn't bother you like it used to bother you. You know, I'm not dying by any disease or sickness. I'm going to live until the day that he calls me home. Once you've seen Christ the provider, now all of a sudden you don't worry when the bank account doesn't look right because you know that he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. 
When, when the whole world is raging against you and everything's happening out there, you lay down at night and sleep like a baby. Why? Because he is the prince of peace and he gives peace that passes all understanding. Yeah, see, Paul breaks down uh, uh, in the book of, well, let me see, it's in my notes here. In the book of Galatians, he breaks down the corruptness of the flesh into four areas, sexual sins, spiritual sins, social sins, and selfish sins. We're seeing all of that. Paul writes in Romans 7, 18, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. This is the Apostle Paul. So understand that there is nothing good in the flesh. In Romans 8, 8, Paul penned, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Yeah, and there are consequences to the flesh. If you live in the flesh, the end result of a life living in the flesh is a life without the Spirit and it's judgment before God. Yeah, because no man can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other or love one and hate the other. Yeah, you may think it's just a little pet sin. It's just a little thing. It's just my temper. It's just my temper, Pastor Jordan. It, it, no, it, it's just, it, no, it's not. You've you, you got to get that under the blood. You've got to get that crucified. Well, no, it's just, it's just a couple drinks every now and then. Well, no, it's just, I, you know, I just, I, I'm not really with someone else, but I just look at that every now and then. No, you've got to get that under the blood. Because if you don't before long, that thing that's just simple and little to you, it'll overtake you. Well, it's just, it's, just, it's just pride. I'm just proud. I'm just proud of my family. I'm just proud of my heritage. I'm proud of where I come from. You better lose all that. You better lose all that. I'm proud of where I came from. You know why? Because I came from. Now I'm here. Hello? Now, I thank God for a family heritage. I thank God for the area of the United States I was born in, things I learned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? I'm not going to have selfish pride in something that gives me an unteachable spirit and a, and, a, and a stubborn heart where I can't learn and grow in the things that God has for me. i got to get rid of that to receive the new things. Glory to God. Yeah, so what is the walk? Well, a tree is known by its fruit, Matthew 12, 33. Jesus taught this truth. He was speaking specifically about the results of a spiritual life compared to a life in the flesh. When we live a spiritual life, we'll see the fruit from that. You can't fake it till you make it in the spirit. C.S. Lewis wrote this, We all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to walk in the Spirit. See, because God has plans for you. God has plans for you. I wanted to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, that the Holy Spirit is God. When Christ said, don't worry, I've got to go, but I'll send you another, he wasn't talking about someone separate from himself. He was talking about another him. <laughs> Woo, it's quiet in here that's okay how many of you know that God's not divided thank you Jesus we can understand it all when we get over there 
Okay? I'm not here to debate theology with you. I'm just here to tell you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here on the earth. And when I mean Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus the man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. I wanted to talk to you about the pace and how when you start walking with the Spirit, He'll put you on His pace. And you'll be running. That's why the Bible says, that, you know, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. That's why the Bible says that you won't faint, but you'll keep on rolling, that you'll mount up on wings like eagles, and you'll soar. Why? Because you'll get on His pace. All of a sudden... It's you're walking in the Spirit. And what was impossible before is now possible. Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, some of you, the Spirit of the Lord wants to come upon you because you're walking in the Spirit. God wants to, to use you to help deliver other people, to help take them through deliverance. People that you'll see people that have a. And when I say take them through deliverance, I'm not talking about just demons coming out of people. Every sickness and disease comes from a spirit of infirmity. Well, you'll see that, and you'll, you'll begin to cast that demon out of them, and you'll see healing take place in their life. That's what God wants to use you to do. And, and I wanted to talk to you about the peace, how that there's a peace that comes on you, that even though your flesh is nailed down and it's uncomfortable in the flesh, that in the spirit, in the spirit realm, there's a peace that comes. There's a joy. That's why we're at church of his presence, because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. He wants to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory that the half has never yet been told. And he wants to give you pleasures that you would never know by fulfilling things in the flesh. Well, glory. Hmm. The poet penned this, and I'm closing. If you'd stand, you can turn on the worship team. My Savior, thou hast offered rest. Oh, grant it then to me the rest of ceasing from myself to find my all in thee. That's why I started with give up and let Jesus take over. That's why when, when Pastor Kimberly was reading Malachi 3, he said, would a man rob God? We think of rob as in stealing. But the word rob doesn't mean that. It means to do a stick up. That's what it means. It means God says, okay, look. Now you're my children. I want, I, want, I want to be your provider. I want to be a father. I want to show you how my kingdom resources work. Here, everything you have is mine. And here, th just do this with me. Just send back 10%. And I'll work with you on that 10%. And we'll increase it as I see I can trust you and you figure out you can trust me. And what you have is not yours, it's really mine. I'll multiply what you have and you'll be a steward of what I have. You won't own it, but you'll be a steward of what I have. But what I have is greater than anything you could ever get on your own. But what happens is when God gives them a little bit, then what they do is they say, stick them up. I'm going to keep what I got. It's mine. You ain't getting this back. And they're not walking in the spirit. They're walking according to the flesh. Because they think that they're provider. They think that they're the one that's going to have to make it work. They think that they're the one that's going to have to pay the bills. They think that they're the one that's going to have to protect the family. But when you're serving Jesus, it's not that way. Oh, you're still working. 
You're still going to work. You're still doing your best to provide for and protect your family. But you, that's it. You're doing your best with what God has given you. And God is multiplying it based upon his best and giving it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm praying. There'd be people here today that think this is crazy. There'd be some of you here today that think that, you know what, whatever, Pastor, you're nuts, uh, just whatever. Some, some, folks, some folks may get so upset, I don't see them for a while, whatever, I don't really care. The point is this, I believe in God that he's going to give us three young people or old people, I don't care, but three people that will believe God in this place to trust him in the area of sowing and reaping and that God would raise them up to be multi-millionaires and keep... See, the Bible says in, in the book of Revelation that he's made us a nation of kings and priests. The priest is the one that stands between... This is a whole other message I was going to give you some other time, but just hear me. Because the church has been preaching tolerance, 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 and, and you know, I, I, I listen to all kinds of preachers all the time. And I might listen to 50 different preachers and of the 50 messages I listen to a week from 50 different preachers, I hear at least in 90% of the preachers, I hear them say this. I'm not judging you, but if this message has done anything to you, know, would you come down and let's pray. I'm not judging you. We've taught people for 30 plus years that you don't judge anybody. It's all about love and tolerance. The position of the priest is to stand between what? The porch and the altar. What's that? Between the judgment of God and the people. And say, God, touch the people. That's the priest. But we don't know anything about the king. The king is a person that stands in authority. The king is a person that controls economy. And the church has been at the mercy of the economy of the sickos and the pedos and the evil people of the world for far too long because we've thought that money was evil and we're supposed to be some pious little group of people over in the corner just saying, Lord, even though, even though they hit me, we'll turn the other cheek. You know what that really means? It means when somebody hits you here and this cheek is mad and hurting and angry and you want to lash out, you want to hurt them, that you turn the other cheek and, and not that they strike you, but that you begin to respond from a place that's not wounded. So that even though you have the power to lash out, you operate in meekness. But Christians are not pacifists. Were they just going to let somebody beat the pulp out of them? You strike me on the cheek, I'll turn the other one. But that's when you know it's because I've stepped back to get a roundhouse left, and I'm fixing the back you want. Hello. I'm not joking. He's called us to be a nation of kings and priests. God wants to put a kingly anointing on people. God wants to put a kingly anointing on. God, God wants you blessed. God wants your business blessed. God wants to promote you at your job. God wants you to be a leader in your company, but he also wants you to have things on the side. He wants you to have rivers of increase, streams coming into you from here and there, and he wants it to be easy for you so that you're not striving to try to make it work. But in order to get there, you've got to first pass the test of can you trust God? And then God says, okay, now here's some blessing. Can I trust you? 
Can I trust you with your time now that you're not doing what you used to do and you had all them hours in there? Now can I trust you with your time to be diligent? Will you spend some extra time in the Word? Will you spend some extra time at work? Will you spend some extra time developing yourself and others? Will you spend some extra time uh, working on governing your, your passions and your hobbies so that you develop hobbies that help move you forward? Because the richest of the rich, they don't have hobbies that, 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 you know, super rich people, they're like, well, what's your hobby? Well, uh, I love um, hiking in the wilderness. Great. Good for you. No, their, their hobbies are all things where they meet other successful people and make business deals. Yeah. You like golf? No. But I could learn. <laughs> I can do anything that I need to do to become who God's calling me to be. Sounds a lot like Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why don't we flip that around in our mind today and instead of doing all things through Christ who strengthens me, meaning I can just keep on toughing it out even though I'm in an impossible situation, why don't we flip that around to I can be whoever God has called me to be. I can be that person and I can do whatever it takes to have what God has called me to have. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give a rating. To learn more about our ministry go to bradfordministries.net.